Welcome to the Sunday evening service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained, Christians are encouraged, and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Word of God, and I thank you for the challenge of the song we just have sung together. Often this time of year, we are very, very busy, and not only on top of that, we find ourselves often beset by uh, struggles, perhaps even things that would cause us to be bitter, angry, impatient with you and others. This is, this is a, after all, a very, a very scheduled time for everyone, and gatherings with family, and many things to do, and people to see, places to go, and Lord, we pray that in the midst of all this, there would be a sense in our hearts of peace that we would run to Christ. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Thank you that in you there is the, there is the promise of the partnership and that brings rest, and we're thankful for that truth in the song. Tonight as we open the word, I pray that you would direct our thoughts and bring us closer to you and give us wisdom and how to handle the long, often long road that we walk in terms of waiting on thee. And I pray that you would give us your mind in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible tonight, let's go to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll look at the subject of dealing with protracted problems. Uh, in God's waiting room would be a, a good title. Or how long do I have to take this? <laughs> Might be another good title. Let's take a look at 2 Thessalonians and we'll begin reading in verse 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Uh, translation, uh, God will take care of things. He will settle things. And to you who are troubled, rest, find relief with us when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. This is kind of the wrap-up uh, sermon from the series on prophecy, future things. He will come back. This is the final curtain call for humanity. In flaming fire, verse 8, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You do not have to get even with those who are persecuting you for the name of Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at or admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you. Paul was a great example of a prayer warrior that our God would count you worthy of this calling to suffer and fulfill the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. In other words, in your response to how you are acting in the waiting room of God, and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you handle problems that take a long time to resolve? Do you get bitter, angry, upset? Maybe tonight some of you are uh, just listening or chewing on uh, something that just has been bothering you for the longest time. And you're about fed up with it. I chuckle when I read about a pastor who wanted his secretary to write a note to missing church members. And so the pastor handed her a list of about 10 members who were absent. 
most often, and he asked her to write a note to each of them to encourage them to be back in the services more faithfully. Well, she took it to heart, and it did work to some degree. The minister later received a letter from a prominent doctor apologizing for his absence. And he included, this doctor included in his note of apology, a check for $1,000. (laughs) And he said, I I promise to be in church every time the doors are open unless providentially hindered. And then he signed it with the P.S. P.S. Pastor, please tell your secretary there's only one T in dirty and no C in skunk. (laughs) Here she took it upon her to add a little vitriol to the little jab a little bit. There was this country preacher that was preaching on the passage where Christ says that we are to turn the other cheek. Matthew 5, 38. And he got to go on. His interpretation of the text was this. The good book says that if you're, you're supposed to turn your cheek when slapped on one side and, and let him smack you on the other cheek. But brethren, ah, he said, but brethren, that third lick, that belongeth unto us. <laughs> he says, you can take a couple strikes against you, but on that third... That's yours. Go ahead and retaliate. Get him back. Get even. Do you ever feel that way? That God is taking too long to settle the accounts. And that you'd like to help God just a little bit. Jump in there and shake some people up on your own. The question is, is that what the Bible teaches? This uh, group of folks, this church in Thessalonica... Ever since Paul started, the church there in Macedonia had been beleaguered, upset, and persecuted, and and mocked, and really tried, not just by the Gentiles, but by the Judaizers as well. Paul sensed that on his first entry into Thessalonica, and it was ongoing. Remember, this is the church that thought that the Lord should come back immediately. Remember, they they were confused about that. People were beginning to die in the church, 1 Thessalonians, and they were worried. They said, Paul, what's going on? We wanted the Lord to come back immediately and just take us home, take us out of this mess. Ever feel that way? Lord, even so, come quickly. That was a prayer we see in the Bible. Well, uh, there's this, there's this in, there is this in all of us to retaliate and to get impatient with God while he puts us in the waiting room. I won't ask you to raise your hand. How many of you are going through something right now? You're just, God has given, and suffering, someone said, is having something you don't want or wanting something you don't have. And all of us, I'm sure, have something that we're dealing with well, First Thessalonians chapter, excuse me, Second Thessalonians chapter one reminds us that here they are, and they are going through it continually, ongoing. The early church was persecuted terribly, and they're wondering how long do we have to stay in God's waiting room? Did you know that when you are hurt, what do you want to do? You want to hurt back, don't you? Sure, you do. And when someone hates you, what do you want to do? You want to hate them back. When someone cuts you off in traffic, does that ever happen where you live? Just maybe on my street. When someone cuts you off in traffic, you want to send them a message. But the Lord says, vengeance is what? Mine. I will repay. Yeah, Lord, but I want to help you. I want to work for you in this. I want to get even with somebody or Uh, and and sometimes we know that we can't do that, so instead of that, we just get bitter, we smolder. Some of you are folks that blow up, others of you perhaps are folks that smolder. 
I'm a smolderer. Are you, are you a volcano? Or are you a clam? Do you clam up? In your heart, you're just wondering, man, I'd sure like to get even. Well, I want you to notice Paul's encouraging words to the Thessalonians, or the Th- those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica. First of all, he says, we glory. Verse 4, um, well, let's start at verse 1. Paul and Silas and Timothy and to the church at Thess- to the Thessalonians and God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you, peace. This is his uh, normal greeting to the churches as he writes, from God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God. He was very thankful for this church. Always for you, as it's fitting or meet, because that your faith grows exceedingly, and the charity or love every one of you have toward each other is abounding. This is a wonderful commendation. Now, he says, we ourselves glory in you. We are, in a sense, thankful for you, spiritually. We have spiritual pride in and how you're doing in the churches of God for your patience. That is the word in the Greek to bear up under long suffering and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. You are, you are, we're so thankful for you, for you are remaining under. Ouch. That's a tough place to be which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Paul would remind them, Lord would too, that we must, we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom. And Paul is saying, listen, don't be surprised by this. Peter would say, arm yourself with this mind, that if you're in Christ, you're going to go through some stuff before you get into the kingdom. In fact, it is evidence of the fact that you're owned by the Lord, that you suffer like Christ as he suffered, you will too. Well, those are encouraging words. We glory in you and in the churches of God for your patience in all persecution. He's saying, don't stop. Don't give up. Don't run. Don't try to get out from under the thumb of pain and persecution. Don't leave. Don't try to find a repose or Somewhere outside of the will of God. Don't think, think it's strange. This is something that's normal for Christians. Don't melt down or just become up to, come to a place where you quit. I got a call at my first church, our first church, and we were very green, just out of college. And the, the call was this, Pastor, please come over to the motel room where I am right now. This was a man calling me. He said, come over because here's, a, here's what's going to happen. If you don't come right now, either I'm going to shoot myself or I'm going to go over home and shoot my wife. Now, they didn't teach us anything about that in college, in Bible school. Well, I went over there. I thought perhaps he's just uh, overreacting. Well, he was, but there on the bed was his revolver, and he was in, he was in serious earnestness about that. He said, I, uh, Pastor, you've got to talk to me because I am so ready to quit, to react to, in anger that I'm ready to shoot my wife or myself. I'm ready. I'm done with this. I hope tonight you're not at that place where you're just completely... Here Paul says, I commend you for your willingness to stay under. God has something good in this for you if you'll just stay under. First of all, I want you to notice that patience does produce maturity. Remember the verse in James chapter 1? You are to, to endure the patiently the, uh, the trials that come for what? Your endurance produces patience, and patience brings about that maturing work in you. 
Well, some of you tonight are waiting for something. All of us, perhaps, tonight are waiting for something. You're waiting for your finances to change, or your health to change, or your job to change. And they were waiting. The church was waiting for just circumstances to change, to God to come back and to relieve them from this. Immediately. Now, Lord, or sooner. Some of you are waiting for a relationship to heal. The persecution in Thessalonica was intense and prolonged. They were persecuted for their faith in Christ by both Jews and Gentiles, and they were standing fast. In verses 4 and 5, we were reminded, we glory in you for your patience, your ability. You are one of the great, the great things about staying where God wants you to stay is that God is producing in you a depth of character that you would have never had outside of that problem. God has tailored a problem just for you. And it's so easy to run, to hide, to complain, to strike out, to get even, instead of just saying, Lord, teach me what you have for me in the crucible that I'm in right now. And, and by the way, we're, we're, we're reminded to stay faithful and not to pray just for relief or just for a change, but there's something exciting here. God is making us into his own image. Because of the suffering, God is making us like him, more like him. Some of you are a bit weathered, aren't you, in your walk with the Lord, and I can tell it. You've scarred up. And it seems like the more suffering you've endured, the sweeter you have become. I've noticed that about some of you. You've gone through a lot in your life, and the older we get, the more troubles we see. <laughs> I sent my brother a little video because he turned 60, and he had all these encouraging videos that came his way from his friends. And I said, this is your brother talking. I said, I just want a little realism here. Times are going to get tougher. <laughs> and I, of course, uh, he didn't appreciate that too much. I said, your good days are in the past. I was having fun with him a little bit. But uh, there's, a tr there's a truth to that. It seems like our problems get more and more complicated as we get older, and they hurt more. But there's a sweetness that comes because we suffer as Christ. We're worthy of the suffering. Verse 5, what a great token and evidence of the righteous judgment of God, the proper discipline of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom. Don't think it's strange that you are covered up with these problems. Instead, enjoy the grace of God that comes in the midst of the fire. Enjoy that fourth man walking with you, for which ye also suffer. Secondly, there's another blessing, and it's not really explicit in the text, but we know from Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you for what? Can you remember the end of that verse? For great is what? Your reward in heaven. Do you know that when you suffer according to the will of God, there are rewards that are stacking up in glory? Not only are you becoming more and more like Jesus Christ and, and walk worthy of his calling for your life, not just asking God for relief or for change, but you are, in fact, becoming more like him. And you know what God has you on earth for right now? To become more like him. And so he's going to send just enough flame in your life so that you might cry out to him and become more like him. Worthy is the word used in verse Five. And then, of course, there's rewards. Why do we endure mistreatment from others? Why do we do that? Rewards, rejoice. If you're falsely accused, persecuted, for great is your reward in heaven. 
Uh, I wonder if you're the kind of person that, uh, that always wants to make others hurt to the same degree or more than they hurt you. Are you like that? That's natural for us. Um, our home was kind of grew up in a Mennonite area. I told you this, a bunch of pacifists. Um, they tried to restrain their anger for the most part. And my home was really a home where there wasn't much of a display of emotion from my parents. I was the weird duck in our family. But I tell you, uh, we got married, and I remember one of the first fights, and this is, may shock you that, 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 that our marriage has had a fight or two in it, but it has. And My wife reached over and punched me. I said, why did you do that? That's so unladylike of you. She says, I want you to know how much you hurt me. <laughs> we're all like, she's away so I can use that test. Uh, we're all like that. We want others to hurt to the degree that we have been hurt. Uh, why don't you put matters into God's hand? Pastor, uh, I'm underpaid, overworked, persecuted, misunderstood, underappreciated. It's not fair. Know this, that God does not settle his accounts on Friday. And God will certainly reward you according to your response. It's not fair. Well, God does not settle his accounts in this day and age, but one day you will be rewarded if you're faithful in the waiting room, waiting on God to take care of the judge of all the earth will do right. And so waiting matures us. And of course, waiting rewards us in glory. Thirdly, and this is really important as we look at kind of the end of chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, we will, if we stay in God's waiting room, we can be sure that he will, he will settle accounts his way. Look at the verses they're just wonderful truths here that are stacked up on top of each other. Seeing verse 6, it's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. God is, God is going to take care of those that are hurting you, especially those that are hurting you for the cause of Christ. Until you are troubled, rest, relax, find peace in this. Rest with us, Paul is saying, here's the imprisoned Paul, right? He's saying, understand that I have had to spend a lot of time behind bars. Rest with us in our soul, that when Jesus, the Lord Jesus, shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, here's how he stacks up these phrases. The second coming, the climax of human history, uh, like the old hymn writer used to sing, I want to be there when they crown him king of kings. <laughs> I want to be there when the courts of heaven, this is what it's talking about. When Christ comes at the end of the tribulation, he will come not as a meek and mild lamb, but as the king of kings riding on that white horse, his saints with him, and all eyes shall behold him. And so verse 6 could be read, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense or settle the account by forever removing the troublers, forever removing the offenders from the presence of the saints. And where will they go? Uh, the Bible says they, they're going to be removed. Verse 8 says, flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel. These unbelievers who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the pres away from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. Those who do not obey the gospel, verse 8, will be eternally separated from the saints and from God and from the power of his glory and placed where? The place the Bible calls hell. And there's a day coming 
And uh, certainly, we don't know when that day is, but the end of human history will occur, and God will return as he's promised to do so, and wrap up the scroll of human history, and when he comes back, every eye shall see him. And at that moment, all those that have spent their life hating on Christians, persecuting, killing Christians, those who mock the Lord and mock and criticize Christians, will get their due, so to speak. God will settle their account, and that's what that's what he's saying. Now, Thessalonians, don't get worried. Don't get out of God's waiting room. You let God take vengeance, and when he comes back, he will certainly do that. The apostle speaks of this as the final revelation. The final the revelation. Verse 7, And you are troubled in your spirit. Rest with us when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven. Do you know that <laughs> throughout my life, I've been praying to a God I can't see. I've been resting on promises that are invisible, eternal, yes, certainly. But I've not had a, I have not had a first person, a chat with the Lord. Have you, visibly? Someone chided these preachers who are always saying, I, I just spoke to the Lord. And he, no, listen, if you want to hear what God is saying, read the Bible. Don't get in the pulpit and say, the Lord spoke to me. If you want to know what God is saying, read the, if you want to hear God's voice audibly, read the Bible out loud. <laughs> That's where you'll hear God's voice. But there's a day coming where God himself, in the person of Jesus Christ, will be revealed. We will see him. Glory. And he will, he's, been, he's been veiled by that curtain. He's been veiled, of course. In fact, even talking to Moses, he said, Moses, you better get in the cleft of the rock. Or Elijah, get in the cleft of the rock because I'm going to pass by and you can't see me in my full glory. And even in Christ's humanity, his glory was veiled. And yet when he comes back, his glory will dazzle the heavens. He will come back and there are some wonderful... And so the, the Lord says to us through Paul, you need to relax uh, when all these sounds of laughter, the saints, the mocking, mocking of the saints, the blasphemy, the cursing, no more will grace be extended to all humanity. The heavens will be opened and he will come back. It is all over for them who are hurting you now. The question of how long will be answered with a grand hallelujah burst of light. The king of kings is here. And that is really the culmination of all of human history. There is a millennial kingdom, of course, and eternal state. But here, the, uh, the coming back of the Lord relax, or should rest the soul of the Thessalonians who are undergoing tremendous persecution. And the Lord says, here are some qualifiers. Number one, the Lord will be revealed. Every eye shall see him, verse 7. Secondly, he will come from heaven to earth. He is going to come down even as he was taken away from us. The Bible says, so I will come back. Look for me in the clouds. I'll come back. So he's coming back. The king is coming. He's going to be coming from heaven. And then thirdly, he's coming with his mighty angels, literally the angels of his power. We will be there too. The saints who have been raptured away, the bride of Christ will come back with the Lord and the powerful angels. What, a, what an entourage that'll be. Christ comes back. And then it says, in flaming fire, there will be no mistaking when the Lord comes back. In fact, the glory of his presence in the heavens will eclipse the light of the sun as the whole earth will just be emblazoned with this burst of light as the king of king approaches. And immediately there will be a division, right? As the unsaved 
are whisked away into eternal damnation. Now before you say, that's great, thank you Lord, because that seems to be the spirit of the passage. The Lord himself would remind us that he does not take any pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't. And I I think there ought to be a, a sobering moment here as we read this passage. Because when that moment occurs, there will be no more grace for those who hate the Lord and persecute the church. There's, be, there's no second chance when that moment comes. You think about your neighbor who doesn't know the Lord. You think about the unsaved. You think even about those who are hurtful to the church. At that moment, what does the Bible say? They go into a place of everlasting separation from the glory of his power. There's a gulf fixed, and no more will there be any opportunity for those that disobey the gospel, unbelievers, and in flaming fire, he will take vengeance on them that know not God. It ought to sober us. It ought to motivate us to go out and to be the gospel witness while we can to those even that hurt us in order that they might at least hear the gospel and be given opportunities. So there's this, there's this sense in which Paul says, don't worry about escaping the waiting room where you're being persecuted. Don't worry about that. Allow God to take care of it in his time. And then, of course, there is this final wonderful, glorious truth as the passage goes on to verse number 10. When he shall come, not only is there this sobering truth that the unbelievers will be finally punished for all of eternity, three, over 300 times the Lord warns us about hell, this day is coming. You don't have to take vengeance. God will take care. He will settle the account. And then verse 10, this is a sustaining truth. This is a marvelous thing. And when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be, what's the verse say? To be admired or marveled at in all them that believe. Think of that moment. Those standing upon the earth, we may well be with the Lord at that time. He may come back. This week, he may, who knows, but we may be with, or we will be as believers with that army that returns, and those that are on the earth that have come to know the Lord during that uh, period of time called the tribulation will look up and see the king is coming, and all those prayers of how long, how long, how long, how long will be answered in a resounding chorus of hallelujah, the king is coming. The king is coming. And we will, folks, uh, somebody asked me, why isn't there a book in the Bible called First Heaven and Second Heaven? I think the reason is because we have no clue. Our eyes are not made to handle the wonders of heaven as the king of kings comes down and we are then going to respond by what we've been made for. We are going to worship and marvel at him. Ephesians 2.7 says he's going to give us a tour of heaven. He's going to whisk us away, of course. Believers to the millennial kingdom, unbelievers to hell. And we will have this wonderful transference as saints to this place the Bible calls heaven. And the marvels of it will just, we're going to come to a place where we're going to admire him in all of his glory. Here now, no longer mitigated, our eyes will see the king in whom we delight, and that will be the spirit of heaven, just walking around, marveling 
at this king who has finally brought to an end all the vitriol and anger and hatred of those that have opposed the cause of Christ. No curse words in heaven. And God settles the account. No more whips raised, no more guns against those that have long served Christ. And we will, I think, in a moment, forget all the trouble and toil of this life as we marvel in the glory that is Christ when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to, you say, what am I going to do in heaven? Well, here it is, to be admired in all them that believe. And we will not go through heaven uh, talking about our scars. No, no. We are just going to be looking at the one who came, and there will be a glad hallelujah as we express to him thanks for his eternal plan that has been so wonderfully demonstrated throughout all of history. The greatest experience a soul could have is to see him in his glory, veiled in the Old Testament, veiled in his humanity, but now blossomed to full glory in his coming uh, for his saints. Verse 10, when he cometh, we will marvel. And all the candles, all we're doing in preaching is holding up little candles. Here's how I think, here's how glorious I think it's going to be. Imagine how beautiful he is. Imagine this, imagine that, but we'll put away all the candles as he comes in his full revelation to us. And we will drop our mouths and wonder and look at the one who's redeemed us and brought us to himself. And we'll just shake our heads and wonder at a God who loved us in such a manner. What manner of love is this? That he would shed his grace upon us. And we will all of a sudden quit talking about, I wonder what heaven's going to be like because we are going to be ushered there. And we will be able for all of eternity to rejoice in his eternal plan for us. What a great thing it is and what a comfort it was to this church who were going through it. What a comfort it ought to be to us tonight. And a sobering reality, if you have friends that don't know Christ, there's coming a time where the day of opportunity will cease for them and Christ will indeed perform what he said, take vengeance on all those that disobey the gospel. Wonderful truths tonight, and I trust you enjoy that. And if you're going through it, understand that God has a plan and don't need to settle, don't need to take vengeance into your own hands. Get even. God will take care of things. You be faithful. God will give you strength to endure in the midst of the furnace you're in. Be faithful, and God will bless you and reward you for it. Father, how thankful we are for the truths of Scripture. With our heads bowed tonight, I wanted to ask you a question. Maybe you are going through a difficulty. It may be caused by those who don't know Christ around you, and they're picking on you in a sense, although I don't know how much real persecution the church in America has received recently. Lord, I do know that there's many, perhaps, that uh, have gone through some form of persecution, even here, for our faith. It's an, it's an identity with Christ. Maybe by the lifted hand you'd say, pray for me. It's, it's a, a struggle in my life, and it's a real struggle where I work to be a Christian and 
have a great testimony, and here's my hand, pray for me, that I would be faithful in God's waiting room. Here's my hand, pray for me. Amen. Amen. Maybe others going through trials of a different nature, and uh, you've just been tired of waiting on things to change and relief. Tonight you realize that God will take care, settle the accounts, reward you for your faithfulness to respond correctly in that relationship, that marriage, that job, that difficulty in, in health. And you just by the lifted hand say, pray for me that I would wait faithfully for God's work in my life. Here's my hand, pray for me. Amen. Amen, others. Thank you. How good God is to give us just what we need to cause us to cry out for His grace and His mercy. Stand with me as we close tonight. Father, thank you for sufficient grace, abundant grace, grace that is more than enough. And I thank you for this reminder to this church that you're coming back just as you promised. And when you do, it'll be a sad day for all those who reject and do not believe in the gospel. Help us to be reaching out even to those that perhaps uh, do not understand why we go to church and why we're Christians, but Lord, help us to reach out about the light that is in Christ. And even if we are mistreated, maligned, made fun of, Lord, help us to endure faithfully and become more like you as a result of these long-winded uh, trials that we're going through. And then, Lord, help us to look upwards, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher. He certainly will uh, complete what he's begun. And we thank you for that work, and I pray that this week we would remember that we are on the victory side. And we thank you for that, accomplished by Jesus Christ, and that promise to be secure in him. We look forward to that day when you shall return. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.